are listening to the Sunday Sermon from Crossroads Bible Church in Bellevue, Washington. To learn more about Crossroads, visit us on our website at cbcbellevue.com. So I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Um, We are entering into our second week of our series that Keith started last week entitled Work is Worship. Um, And so last week, Keith kicked off the series by developing and building on this concept that work is something that we were designed and created to do. So God created us. He created us not just to live here and have a good time, but to actually work. Work was created before the fall. Tonight, or this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about not just being designed to work, but being designed to work with skill um, and with excellence. So God didn't just say, show up on Monday and do your job. He said, do it with excellence. One time, uh, I was working at a, uh, a camp in, uh, in the area called Camp Sambica. Um, I, was, I had just graduated from college, and I had spent the summer working as a, uh, a counseling supervisor, so I was uh, helping oversee the counseling staff, and I had a great time. I loved Sambica. A uh, huge blessing to be able to work there, and it was uh, like a three-month gig while I was coming out of college and kind of getting my feet underneath me as I was entering into the adult world, you know? And so I, I worked that summer, built some good relationships, friendships, and, and stopped working and then started trying to find other work as I entered into, you know, post-college life. Um, and so uh, I got a call at one point from my supervisor, and uh, he called me up and said, hey, I want to talk about maybe having you work at camp again next year. And I was like, sweet, okay. So we, we went and we got coffee together. And I thought, okay, he's going to ask me to work at camp. I don't really want to work at camp again. I want to have like a real job, you know, not like a, a real job, but like, you know, something that's not just like temporary forever, um, which is an oxymoron. Um, so, he, so we sat down and he, he told me, you know, Austin, it was great working with you this summer. Uh, you get along with people well. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But then he said, you know, there's actually a number of things that I don't think you did very well while you're working at camp. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Because we worked like, you know, months ago together and I would have loved to know this list of things that I wasn't doing well at the time. And so I left that meeting feeling honestly really demoralized, thinking, man, it would have been great to know how to be able to work better while I was actually doing my job. And the point of me sharing this story is not to, uh, the point of me sharing this story is to say, sometimes we don't know if we're doing a good job or not. I thought I was doing a good job, you know, across the board, because nobody was telling me that I wasn't doing, or like, I wasn't meeting the standard that I was supposed to be meeting. Um, and this is in a Christian context. So Sambika is a Christian camp uh, in the area, but, you know, when we work in the, uh, in the non-Christian world or the Christian world, my concern is that one of the things that we're doing as Christians is uh, we're not always producing the best work that we can produce, and what that does is it actually could be hindering people to seeing who God really is, because if they see, the first thing that people often see is the quality and the content of the work that we produce. So if I, if I go to work and I'm not doing a great job, and I've told all my, my coworkers, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, they start associating Jesus with that low quality, lackluster kind of work that I'm producing. And so they think, why would I want to believe in the God that you believe in if you don't think that you're, you know, if you're not producing great work? I think that's a question that I've grappled with for a while now. And even in the Christian spheres, you know, if we're working with a bunch of believers, we want to glorify God. We want to honor him with our work. And so sometimes it's hard to know if we're doing a good job. Sometimes uh, we seek 
the, um, the feedback of supervisors or peers, and people like to tell us, no, you're doing a good job, don't worry about it, um, when in reality, maybe people are disappointed with the quality of the work that we're putting out. So as we dive into this today, I want us to think about that. Are we, are we glorifying God? Are we worshiping God through our work, not just by showing up, but by producing the best work that we can be producing, by waking up every day and saying, I want to become better at what I'm doing, no matter what that is? Because our work is deeply important and deeply worshipful. So the topic that we're, um, that we're diving into today, today is not just the idea that God has designed us for work, but God has designed us for excellent work. And I'm excited about it because it involves and is related to my favorite verse in Proverbs, which might also be my favorite verse in the entirety of Scripture. It's Proverbs 22, 29. And so if you have a, a Bible, you can open up to that point in Proverbs. If you open up right to the middle of your Bible, um, you'll probably find your way to the book of Psalms. The book of Proverbs is right after the book of Psalms. It's a book of wisdom. And uh, chapter 22 is where we're going to camp for a minute here. And verse 29 is the last chapter, or the last verse in chapter 22. And I'll put it up on the screen for you here so you can follow along. So here's what Proverbs 22, 29 says. It says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So this is a simple verse. And we're going to unpack the meaning and the impact that it has on us. So my question is, what does this verse mean? Uh, and it might be apparent, it might not be apparent. So um, I think it's giving us a simple question to ask ourselves. Do you see a man skillful in his work? Do you know anybody, any person, man or woman, who's good at what they do? And uh, maybe this is a better question. How many of you know somebody who's like really, really, really bad at what they do? And uh, don't raise your hand or anything if they're like sitting next to you because that's uh, an uncomfortable thing. So, um, so... Sometimes you might know somebody who's bad at what they do. Somebody, sometimes you might know somebody who's really, really good at what they do. And I think we often can look around us, and I, I can think back to multiple jobs I've had, even work that I've done here at Crossroads, and think, man, some people are really gifted. Sometimes in, in certain areas of their job, maybe not every single aspect, but some people are just, man, like they're, they're so good at this, and everybody around them can see it. And it's really encouraging to be able to watch somebody who enjoys what they do and is good at what they do. And I think... This proverb is getting at that. But then the question is, okay, do you see a man skillful in his work? Uh, what's what's the, the follow-up line? It's he will stand or she will stand before kings. This person's not going to stand before obscure men uh, or people who are less significant is maybe another way to say that. In... Um, in the time period where this would have been written, you know, the king is the head of the society, the, the most important person that you could potentially stand before and serve. And so if, uh, if we're mapping this on to maybe our own modern-day culture, you could look and say, well, maybe this would be standing before the CEO of your company or... Um, the, you know, the head of your company or even just your manager, or maybe if you're really good at what you do, you'll stand before like the president of the United States someday uh, and be like able to, to meet that person and say, wow, that's like, that's the most important person in our country technically. Um, so that's an exciting thing to think about. Um, but what I, what I want you to see here is that um, we, when, we, when we're doing work, when we're looking at our work, we, we can think about standing before like our manager or our CEO or somebody who's important in our life. But the thing that's even more important to consider is that we were not just designed to do work for the sake of men on earth or women on earth saying good job or, or being able to stand before those people. The ultimate thing that this verse points to is that 
we need to stand before somebody who's a greater king, not just an earthly king, but somebody who's a heavenly king, which is our God in heaven. When we read through the Bible, we get this interwoven thread that Jesus, our God, is the king who's reigning right now in heaven, and he is the one who we want to stand before. He is the one who we need to consider that we are standing before when we are presenting our work to somebody. We're not presenting our work just to humans at the end of the day. We're presenting our work as an act of worship to the Lord in heaven. He's called the King of Kings, uh, the Lord of Lords, and he is the one who we want to stand before and say, Lord, do you see my work as skillful? Is it skillful enough to honor you? Um, and I think when we, when we read a verse like this, uh, and if you read through the Bible, there's plenty of stories throughout scripture that teach us about what's going on in this verse through the narrative of their stories. For example, there's a story of a guy named Joseph in the, uh, the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. The story of Joseph goes something like this. He is sold into slavery by his brothers. Not very uh, nice thing to do. Don't do that. Um, he then gets uh, promoted into the house of a guy named Potiphar and gets, uh, because he's doing good, skillful work, he gets promoted to this position of power. And then he gets, un- through unfortunate events, sold again into, or not sold again, but uh, thrown in jail. And so he's in jail. So he was esteemed, thrown in jail. And then from jail, from prison, he then gets to be esteemed even higher than he was before, up to being the second in command uh, in Egypt underneath Pharaoh, and so he's standing before an earthly king, but I think in the story of Joseph, we also get this dual picture of him standing before God. He knows who he's really serving, and his work on earth was so skillful and so worshipful that, yes, it brought him earthly esteem, but it also brought him heavenly esteem, and that's a good thing to think about. There's plenty of other stories in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that teach us these things, Um, but again, as we we look at our work, we want to look at whether our work is glorifying God uh, and worshiping him. So um, this verse, while I love it, while it says, you know, do you see a man skillful in his work? It teaches us, yeah, we should be skillful. We want to pursue skill in our work. But it doesn't answer the question of how to be skilled in our work. It doesn't give us any practical steps uh, as to how we can actually grow in skill. So what I want to do is look at a couple other places in Scripture that I think feed into this idea of how we can actually go out from here today and say, here's what I'm going to do and here's what the Bible asks me to do uh, in order to grow in skill. And the good news is that I think there are, are some very practical areas in the Bible that teach us this. They're not necessarily easy to follow through on. So as I, as I talk through these things and as we contemplate how we can grow in skill, just remember, this isn't going to be the easiest walk in the park sort of thing to do, but that doesn't mean that it's hard to grasp. I hope that you can at least walk away knowing what to do. The hard thing is doing it. So the, the two concepts, there's two concepts that I'm going to dive into that are going to be kind of like two different sides of a coin. Uh, One side of the coin is diligence and the other is wisdom. Diligence and wisdom are two things that the Bible says go hand in hand and and help us grow in our skill in the work that we do on a daily basis. Diligence is more of a physical thing and wisdom is more of a spiritual thing. So you get the two uh, physical and spiritual things married together in one nice package today. So um, first let's take a look at diligence and um, What I want you to see is that diligence is imperative when it comes to increasing our skill in our work. When somebody is diligent in their work, what I would say is if they're incompetent, if you're incompetent at something and you work diligently at it, you can usually become competent at that thing. 
Not excellent necessarily, but competent. And I would say going from incompetence to competence is glorifying to God. If you're not gifted in this thing, that's okay, but you could grow in that skill and that's worshipful to God. If you're competent and you're already kind of good at something and you work at it with diligence and become excellent at it, even better. That's even more worshipful to God. So with incompetence and diligence, you can grow into competence and then from competence, potentially even then, grow into excellence. So um, as, as, I, as, I, as I walk through this, I want you to think about somebody in your life. Maybe you know somebody who uh, was was competent at something, and they could have become so good at that thing, but they just didn't care enough to do anything about it. And you think, man, what a waste of potential. What a, what a waste of potential. If somebody is good at what they do, why not, why not feed into that gift and really try and grow and excel in that, in that craft or in that skill or whatever it is? Um, the, so I, I'm, I'm one of our youth pastors here, high school, college pastor. When I preach for the high schoolers and middle schoolers, they always make fun of me because I bring up the same examples, like every single sermon. And so I'm going to do that for you guys here because you're a fresh audience and, and I feel like it's not going to be as old. <clears throat> Not the same story, but like I always tell them like, hey, I was in high school once, I was in middle school, and I was a swimmer. And they're always like, oh, he's talking about swimming again. So we're going to talk about swimming for a second. We, uh, when I was in high school, I was a swimmer. Um, and I had a friend on my swim team who was very, very good, gifted at swimming. He would get in the water, and he would, he would race, and he would, um, he would break records like every time he got in the water, and it was not fair. It was not a fair situation. Like, he was already good at swimming, and he was just, like, didn't even have to uh, try or care. Uh, so sometimes he would get in the water, and he would race, and he'd touch the wall, and he'd look up, and he'd be like, wow, I broke another record. And guess what? I held the record before, so I just broke my own record. Um, so it was like, man, and nobody could win or really even hold a candle to him, as they say. So uh, what's the point of this? The point is that he was really good at swimming, but he didn't care. He eventually quit swimming because he said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a swimmer. I don't drive any joy from this. Um, whether or not that's a good thing, I'm not going to touch, but I just want to point out the idea that he could have been great. He could have stood before kings. He could have gone to the Olympics, and I, I honestly think he's the kind of person who could have been a gold medalist um, if he had really applied himself and really honed that craft but he didn't. Uh, and that's not, again, not necessarily a bad or a good thing, but I, I think, man, like that's the sort of person that you look at and you think, wow, this person could really, could really go somewhere. Uh, and we see those people all throughout life. Uh, this example, I would say, also might be distant for some of you. So I know a lot of you, like how many of you work in like a tech industry or the medical field or anything like that? Yeah, some of you, okay. So I know that's like a big thing up here. So maybe uh, if you look at your own life, your own work, you, maybe you work at Amazon or Microsoft or in a hospital somewhere. I want you to think about the difference between like two employees. If you have two employees that have the same skill level for the most part, uh, but one is more diligent, more driven, more efficient, um, and you know, they're going to work harder at what they do, that person is going to be esteemed more in your company. I mean, it's not a hard concept to grasp, but maybe that person would you know, get promoted or get you know, more face time with the CEO or anything like that. Um, and so that's the kind of context that I want you to look at this through. That's the lens. So when we're, when we're talking about this idea of diligence, I want you to flip two chapters forward in the book of Proverbs. So down to Proverbs chapter 24. And 
What I'm going to read is Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. This is going to talk about this other character that we see in Proverbs called the sluggard. Uh, This is a guy who is lazy and he's not diligent. And so I want you to see this uh, little poetic section of Proverbs here as it describes this guy named the sluggard. It says this, Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, It was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. So I'll leave this up for you to to look back on if you want to. But the sluggard here, I would say, is a man who is described as not having the motivation to care about his belongings, to keep his things well-maintained. His house is overgrown with weeds and and thorns and things like that. His wall is broken down. And so... um, I don't want to get too into the weeds with this verse, but I want you to see that he's the kind of person that, that is shirking his responsibility. He's not, or she is not, the person who is going to be taking care of their stuff and diligently managing the things that they've been given, their property, even their work, uh, or other aspects of their life. It goes beyond just your possessions. The sluggard is a sluggard in all aspects of life. This is just a metaphor for everything else going on in his or her heart. So you might not be thinking that you're a sluggard specifically because your house isn't broken down, your weeds aren't out of control, your wall, you don't have a wall. None of us have a wall. I mean, maybe you have a wall. Um, I don't own a wall. But like, you know, it's it's not necessarily like a one-to-one transition or uh, translation here, but you can look at your life and say, okay, while I'm at work, do I have any sluggish sort of tendencies? Do I, do I, you know, sometimes pull up my phone and pull out YouTube and watch a couple minutes or 30 minutes or I don't know how long uh, you, you might get distracted, but oh, I'm just scrolling through things on the internet and wow, Pinterest is really popping today. There's a lot of cool new things um, online. I don't know what it is, but those are the sorts of things that we can get distracted by and forget that we're, we need to be working diligently and hard for the Lord, and little things can start to seep in and get into our hearts and say, oh, like, no, this is, this is fine. I don't need to put in as much effort here. This is okay. So another common thing that you might hear a sluggard say is uh, when, respond, uh, when given tasks or potentially things are, are you know, being talked about as things that we need to get done, they might say, oh, that sounds like a lot of work, or man, I'm just so exhausted. I don't know if I can really handle that, but they haven't really been working that hard. So it's kind of like incongruous there. Sluggards will, I would say, find excuses to get out of work while a diligent person will find an excuse to do more work and say, no, I can handle that. Give that to me. I can manage that project. Um, so while we talk about the sluggard, that's one side of a spectrum on this, uh, this conversation about diligence. And so if sluggish people are way over here, then on the other side of the spectrum is somebody who is an overachiever or somebody who works too much. And the difference between a sluggard and an overachiever is the overachiever uh, is, so the sluggish person is worshiping the the lack of work. They want to worship the lack of work, the pleasure, the, 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 you know, just the, the sedentary sort of lifestyle. An overworker is the sort of person who worships the work rather than worshiping God through the work. 
And some of us might fall on either side of that spectrum, but neither is diligence. I want you to see that. Neither of those extremes is really what diligence looks like. Because if you're an overachiever or you're an overworker, what you're doing is you're just spending more time worshiping the work that you've been given rather than saying, God, I want to give this to you and appropriately know how to spend the right amount of time on the work that you've given to me to do. So again, don't worship God, or don't worship the work, worship God through the work. And uh, I just want to zone in just for a second on uh, that concept that I just introduced, time. So when you think about your work, when we are thinking about our work, I think all of, our, all of the hours in our day matter. We have a certain amount of hours that we have been given to work during the day, and if if I get into this mindset of thinking, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I, maybe I have eight hours of work today and I did my eight hours of work in 10 hours. That doesn't mean that I did it diligently. That just means I did it outside of the time that I should have been doing it and maybe those two hours I was supposed to be taking Karina on a date and I didn't do that. Uh, and so now she's suffering and that's not glorifying to God. So I want you to consider time uh, and write that down also as a thought. Like, am I spending the appropriate amount of time on my work? Because time, too much time, doesn't glorify God. The appropriate amount of time with the right amount of diligence is a good mixture for us to consider as we do our work so that other things in our life don't fall by the wayside, um, like the maintenance of our home, the maintenance of our family, or any number of things that are also important that, again, glorify God. Um, for students, I just want to make this clear. Sometimes, like, a lot of this applies to adults, and it's like, yeah, we all work, but I know there's students in the room. Your work is mainly your, uh, your schoolwork. So when you're going about your schoolwork during the day, consider that. Are you spending too much time doing schoolwork? And then it's like, oh, sorry, mom, I can't do the dishes. I had too much work to do. Um, but you're, you know, not actually really being all that efficient. Um, or, uh, and then I guess I would say, yeah, if you're retired, I think Keith touched on this last week too. But if you don't have work to do, you have uh, any number of things that you can then fill your time doing. And so work becomes different in each stage of life, but it still applies to every single person in this room, I would say. So now... Uh, that's one side of the coin, that's diligence. We look at diligence, we looked at the sluggard and how we don't wanna fall into sluggish tendencies, we don't wanna overwork and we wanna pursue an appropriate amount of diligence. The other side of the coin is the more spiritual side because not everything in this life is up to our control. God is in control of everything and there's a certain amount of spiritual investment that we need from God for us to be able to grow in skill and maybe you're, maybe you're thinking, man, how does that play out in scripture? And that's a good question to be asking because I have some scripture for you. So um, in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 35, if you want to, you can turn there. This is actually, I think, another one of my favorite uh, chunks of scripture. Exodus 35 is a little more obscure, but it's a really important moment in the history of Israel. And this is a point in Israel's history where uh, as I'll summarize for a second, their leader Moses has led them out of the land of Egypt. They're, they're in the wilderness at Mount Sinai where God is speaking to Moses about what he wants the people of Israel to do. And he's giving Moses instructions to be able to um, build a thing called a tabernacle, which is a port, like a portable temple, pop-up temple. Really cool because you can take it on the go. And then you, uh, they needed to build this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which goes inside the Holy of Holies in the center of this tabernacle pop-up temple sort of situation. And this is the most important, one of, if not the most important artifacts that's ever been created in the history of humanity. This is the place where God is going to dwell. And so if you ask yourself, like, 
should this be done with skill? The answer is, this should be done with the most skill that you can possibly do something with. You need to be the best craftsman if you're going to be working on this Ark of the Covenant and this tabernacle because God is going to dwell here. He's going to be with his people in this place and God expects perfection, nothing less. So let's read Exodus 35 verses 30 through 35 uh, with me. So it's a few verses and I'll unpack them after we read them. So Exodus 35, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see the Lord has called by name Bezalel, fun name, name your child that if you want, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the, uh, for the tribe of Judah. <clears throat> and, he, and I want you to notice words that uh, relate to the spirit of God and skill, things that are going on with the spirit of God and skill, how those relate here. So verse 31, he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones, for setting and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, also a fun name, the son of Ahisamech of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver, or by a designer, or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or a skilled designer. So, I'm going to camp back on the first couple of verses here, so feel free to read through them again. Um, again, this might seem like an obscure passage, but I think it's so important for two reasons. I'll give you two reasons why I like this, and I have it squared out in my Bible and highlighted and whatnot. Because this is the first time in the entire Bible that we have, Genesis, Exodus, all the way through Revelation, the first time in the Bible where anybody is said to have been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the very first time. Uh, and what the Spirit of God thinks is the most important thing to do during this first time where somebody is actually said to have been filled with the Spirit is to do work for the Lord. So I want you to see that. When we're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit compels us, indwells us, and fills us in a way that allows us to do good work. We don't just have some contrived sense of doing work on our own as if we can conjure up enough good stuff so that we can worship God eventually? No, at least, you know, like, like yeah, there's diligence involved and that's why we talked about that first, but there's this whole other side to work, which is God filling us with his spirit so that we can worship him through the gifts that he gives us. So this is, again, the first time, and I think it's so cool because I love working with my hands, uh, but working with wood and stone and all these things, I think these sorts of things are especially things that we can do to worship God. Creating stuff for him is so beautiful. And so Bezalel and Aholiab, these two guys, fun names, love them, uh, they're filled with the Spirit of God. And they're, again, so the second reason why this is important is because the, the Holy Spirit is filling them to do skilled and intelligent work and, and he fills them with the knowledge and craftsmanship to be able to worship God. Um, so the thing that is interesting here is uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version and the word skill here in verse 31, it says he filled them with the Spirit of God and with skill. If you go back to the Hebrew and translate that word, it's actually not the same word that we saw earlier in Proverbs. It's the word that is usually translated for wisdom. So you could read this and say, God has filled uh, Bezalel with the Spirit of God with wisdom, wisdom to know how to do his craft well. That's an important thing because I think wisdom is a huge part of how we 
are able to glorify and worship God in our work. Part of growing in skill is growing in wisdom, which is given to us by the Holy Spirit. We don't look around on the ground or anywhere else, you know, trying to like uncover things and find wisdom. No, the only way for us to really get wisdom from heaven is by humbling ourselves and going to God in prayer and saying, God, I don't know everything. I'm a human, you're God. I need your spirit to fill me with wisdom. I need you to fill me with your spirit so that I can understand and know how to continually do a better job with the work that you've given me to do on a daily basis. I think that's something that we forget is that we, we look back through history and we think, man, look at all the great accomplishments that humans have, have done and, and have discovered. Like we, we discovered all these ways to work with our hands and, and uh, understand the world and look, we created cell phones and computers. Wow, that's awesome. But that's not really what the narrative of the Bible tells us. The Bible gives us this different picture where God has filled us with knowledge and throughout history, he's the one who reveals things to us to be able to understand the world and develop and create and and make things that then reflect his glory and then we can offer back up to him. So remember, when you go to work every day, when you wake up tomorrow, one thing that you can do is go to God and say, God, I want to glorify you with my work and I want to do good, skillful work for you. So you can wake up and you can pray, God, I need your help. I need you to fill me with wisdom so that I can produce good work today. And then pray that again in an hour and in another hour. And start practicing this concept or this idea that we have uh, just a constant interaction with God throughout our day because we're so in communion with him, so in tune with him that we're just conscious of him during every moment. Uh, It's a great thing to practice. And again, it's a humbling thing because it's constantly reminding us that, wow, God is the one who really is the source of my knowledge, the source of my strength on a daily basis. Um, And if there's anything I've learned uh, in my short time on this earth, it's that every single day and every single week produces new circumstances. And even if I think I know how to do something, there's something new the next day that I didn't plan for. And so we need wisdom from God to be able to handle those random circumstances. You could say you're a master carpenter. You know how to work with wood. You know how to handle any situation. And then lo and behold, you show up to the house and something's messed up and you don't know what's wrong, and you have to figure it out. Um, I used to work in carpentry, uh, and so I'd be like, man, it's impressive to me how many things can go wrong, always. Uh, and you never know what it's gonna be, and it's always like, well, now I have to fix these three things that are, are messed up together. So, again, uh, this applies to all aspects of our life and work. Wisdom is something that we continually need from God. So my, my encouragement to you would be to continually wake up and pray and ask for that wisdom that God can, only God can give you. Um, so uh, my question now is how, how, do I, how do we know if we're sinning? Like, I think this is a question that, that potentially can come up. How do we know if we're sinning by not doing our work with enough skill or the proper amount of skill uh, for God's standards? Because I think that when we have a conversation like this, we can start to think, what if I'm not doing good enough work and I'm trying my best, but is it glorifying to God or not? And am I spending enough time? So I'm gonna give you just uh, a couple recap factors to, to think about as you, as you go out from here today. And it's the three things that we've already talked about. Um, so if you, if you consider diligence, wisdom, and then time as factors in your work, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Did I, like, if you wake up tomorrow and you think about diligence, I want you to ask yourself, did I... A, Uh, put in the appropriate amount of time 
to my work today, if you look back at your day and you think, man, I, I think I did, like I, I really think I, I put in the, the right amount of, of diligence and effort into what I did, I think that's good. But if you can look back and say, I, I, you know, I actually really wasted like an hour of my time here, I would, I would just say, God, I, I'm sorry, I didn't give you the best of my work today, help me do better tomorrow. It's not like something to beat yourself over the head with, but just continually reflect and think, man, how could I be growing in my ability to work diligently? And number two, with wisdom, ask yourself, have I been pursuing wisdom with my work? Do I actually go to God on a daily basis and ask for his spirit to fill me with wisdom to know how to do my work better? Or do I wake up every day and don't even think for a second about God? I think that's something that, I mean, even I can wake up and think, okay, I got to do this and this and this and this and a number of things today. And I will sometimes forget, well, like God is at the center of all of my work. So if I don't invite him into that, I lack, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not filling myself with that wisdom from God. And then finally, with time. Did I spend too much or too little time on my work uh, that I invested in uh, today? Did I, did I spend too much time and neglect something else? And, and again, sometimes it's hard to judge that, but I would say if you're asking yourself those questions, those are the types of things that are really going to help you know if a day was good or bad, and you can continue to ask those questions throughout the weeks and months and years of your life to then look back and say, wow, God, like out over the span of my life, I, I did my best to offer my life up to you, my work up to you, and I am proud of the work that you allowed me to do for you, and I'm offering that to you uh, as a sacrifice. My time, my talent, my treasure, all of those things are a sacrifice that we can give to God. Jesus, during his time on earth, said that one who is trustworthy with the small matters, the little things in life that we have in this world, which part of is our daily work. He said that that person who is faithful with those small matters will be entrusted with 10 cities in his coming kingdom. That's from Luke 19, verse 17. And so I think I want you to, to realize that that's not just talking about being faithful with like making disciples and sharing the gospel and trying to help people understand who Jesus is. It's also the things that apply to our work. If we're faithful with the small daily tasks that God gives us to do, God will reward us with much more in heaven. And that's a beautiful thing. Pursuing diligence and wisdom in our work now is going to result in tenfold rewards by the time that we get to be with Jesus forever in heaven. So as you, as you go out from here today, what I want you to think about uh, is that every single moment, every single minute, every single hour of every day is an act of worship to God. And so we need to live our lives as if we understand that we're not just worshiping God when we come here on a Sunday morning. We're worshiping God when we wake up tomorrow. We're worshiping God when we wake up on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And everything that we do is designed to help us grow in our ability to grow in skill and work, and not just stand before our earthly masters, not just standing before our CEOs and our managers, but we are called to stand before the king, who's not just the king of earth, but he's the king of heaven and the entire universe, the king of all kings, and his name is Jesus, and we need to worship him with our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the, the time that we have here uh, to come together, hear from your word, and, and be encouraged to go out through our week to worship you. God, I pray for a heart that turns to you. I pray for hearts in this room that are humbled uh, and, and dependent on you. I pray for uh, a church 
that will, that will love you and, and honor you as our God, knowing that our work is deeply worshipful and deeply spiritual. God, I pray that we can wake up tomorrow and that we can continue to live our lives in such a way that brings you glory and honor and uh, that we can just be filled with your spirit, God, with wisdom. I pray that you help us work diligently for you and I pray that we use our time to the best of our ability, knowing that all of that adds up to something that is, is beautiful and, uh, and, and just something that we can all rejoice in because when we look at our lives, when we look at the things that you've gifted us to be able to do, God, uh, you've gifted us each individually. You've given us different things to do while we're here on earth. And I pray that you help us all see how we can use those giftings just to honor you on a daily basis. God, we thank you. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.